I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Show. I'm Steve W. Paul's with me and Steve's with me this week. It's February the 16th and we've got loads of earnings to talk about and some news from the most wonderful time of the year, 13F season. So two days ago was Valentine's Day, which means that the three of us were glued to our computer screens waiting to see reports of what people had bought. Uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, apart from that, Steve, what have you been doing this week? Uh, well, first of all, Steve, you promised uh, last week that you would uh, give us an update on whether you managed to achieve nachos on the sofa watching the Super Bowl in the middle of the night. Did you manage it in your first year as a tired father? Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I did promise a report on that. I will give myself half marks for that. Uh, I did sit on the sofa and watch the Super Bowl at the time the Super Bowl was happening, by the way. No kind of catch-up or anything like that. I wasn't confident in my ability to stay awake, though, so I didn't buy in nachos beforehand. I ended up ordering stuff from Domino's instead. But uh, <laughs> it's mostly a win. I wasn't, yeah, just wasn't confident enough to plan it out in advance and buy in a load of snacks that I thought I wouldn't eat. I thought, I'll wait till I definitely am going to need them. And then, we should and then have done a it. Super Bowl episode. That's what we should have done. I, I don't actually know which teams were in it, so I'll guess the <laughs> Philadelphia Panthers and the Kansas City Cans were the, were they the two teams. Uh, um, you're 25% right? Or okay. No, 50% right. Though. Well, you've got both locations right and both both, <laughs> team, both names wrong. Um, so the Philadelphia is the Eagles uh, and Kansas City is the Chiefs. Who do you think won, Steve? Do you know? Uh, I will go with, because uh, we're talking about Kraft later, Philadelphia. Mm, nearly. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> Kansas. You are correct, Steve. Yes, yes, Kansas City won the Super Bowl. Have a point in this game. What else have you done this week apart from thinking about me in the middle of the night? Uh, two things, uh, other than thinking about you in the middle of the night. I've taken out a credit card, which I can already hear everybody on FinTwit. Uh, oh, he has debts. He shouldn't be investing. But uh, I need a new boiler. Dirty, dirty I need a new boiler, and I don't have the cash for it. And to be honest with you, British Gas came around and said, yeah, you can have it on not percent It'll just be £4,150. He actually handed me the sheet, which told me the boiler was only 1300 quid, which kind of, considering it's a lift-on and lift-off job, was like, yeah, all right, you're charging me like all that to fit it. So uh, I got one off Boxed in the end. Boxed wanted to charge me 10% APR. I don't see a reason to do that. I took out a Marks and Spencer's reward card. They gave me 23 months, not percent. Uh, I'll just pay it that way. That so how, how, much, how much is going down on the card then? Only two grand on the card. Okay, um, so that's cool. I mean, so you, you could pay that off with a click of your fingers. So well, you can, really but there's no need to, is there? Do you know what I mean? We can. Uh, you don't, <laughs> there's no fair. need to go into my vault, uh, my vault swimming pool uh, of gold coins and count out two thousand. I'll just, you know, I'll just go and get a couple of hundred every month and, and pay it off that way. Other thing, Steve, we've been to the milk well this week, and it's a local farm thing that's going on in our locality uh, it's a essentially a big milk vending machine but you they give you a bottle you can fill the milk up and then you have to sterilize the bottle and you can bring it back local milk 70p a pint which uh, my father who's a tight water has told me that's very expensive i don't really don't know expensive. i don't that's know really the price expensive. of milk but it's rich it's 55p probably is yeah, a pint it's not that much more than 15p more i think we're not going to have but um <laughs> yeah it's really good milk really good fun they also do flavored milk as well they did um 
strawberries and cream, white chocolate, and red velvet this week. So if you've got any idea what red velvet tastes of. Um, speaking of, um, speaking of milk, uh, anyone watched Clarkson's Farm yet? I'm just trying to get into like the streaming world and talk about the streaming world at the minute. No, Clarkson's Farm, really recommend it, man. I've sat and watched that um, probably like two weeks. I got it early on Amazon. So, uh, yeah, really, really good fun. That I watched, is, uh, um, I watched Series Amazon 1. Prime. Yeah, I've watched series one. My missus is just not into it at all. Um, so oh, it's one of those things where you have to kind of watch it on your own. But uh, how's your week been, Steve? My week's been great. I haven't been to a milk vending machine, or as I call them down here, a cow. Um, but <laughs> but it's been, I've been learning many things about uh, construction and deconstruction and so on. So in the house that I now uh, have almost moved into, I've been discovering that we can take out the chimneys and that we can't take out the chimneys and that we can take out the chimneys again, but it's going to be difficult, and then that we can't take out the chimneys, uh, finally. This is one that I probably should tell Steve about more kind of off-air, but if someone's interestingly bricked the chimneys from the inside and uh, filled them with basically bricks, so there's no idea where our wall starts and the other wall stops. So I've been learning oh, many things about the, the difficulties of uh, renovating houses, not that I do it. I mean, in my case, telling other people to renovate houses. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds that sounds quite worrying. Yeah, mm. you're gonna be you're gonna you can keep those chimneys. That'll be a lovely feature in the room. Yeah, they will. They'll make the room smaller. But I think I'm gonna try and attach a telly to one of them to make it look like it's deliberate or something. Hmm. Then have a nice fire and melt the bottom of your TV. That'd be lovely. <laughs> yeah, we don't have those down here anymore. Um, I was at least if I got rid of the chimney, I'd have to try and find something else for the kid to climb up to make a living. But anyway, Paul, how are you? <laughs> Uh, all right, I'm pretty tired. Uh, I, I've didn't. I've managed to be keep in touch with my kids via uh, video calls a lot. And uh, just to bring it on a tech thing as well, this this evening. So last week, I actually wrote thirty blog posts for my wedding photography business uh, in three hours, and they are all scheduled for the entire year. Just different random stuff, all written by ChatGPT, written by AI, which was uh, pretty good actually, a big time saver and. I mean, I have no idea what they say. I skim read them and go, yeah, sounds about right. And then uh, just bang it out. <laughs> and it's all for SEO. It's all trying to get up. Uh, one thing that I would say about that is I was using ChatGBT to write Google-derived SEO to get my, myself higher up the Google search engine, which probably proves a bit more about the, the AI war than sure. I thought. Surely you want to be higher up the Bing search engine now that Bing is 99% of the search engine and Google's impenetrable moat has been penetrated and, and now they're just a penny stock. I just can't see it, right? It's, you know, you've got 20, what, 25 years there of people constantly typing the same word into their, into their uh, keyboard. I mean, people's keyboards must be worn out in the G-O-O-L-E buttons uh, all the time. So it's, um, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I I mean, that could be my famous last words, but you've got such, you've got, you've got ingrained humanity there to oppose. I just don't see Bing becoming number one. I do think, though, they could eat into Google's um, moat a little bit, you know, change that market share a little bit, which, which slows down the future cash flows of Google. I respect that, but I, I don't think Google's anywhere near its top yet. So We're well, all alphabet shareholders, aren't we? Uh, yes, apparently yeah, we are. Yeah. Okay, comment down below. Whose impenetrable moat would you like to see violated by a robot? Me, Steve, <laughs> or Paul? <laughs> but um, what, what I will do, uh, say, is uh, tonight, it was quite funny, I was chatting over 
Google Meet, actually. I was using Google Meet to talk to my kids because uh, they're a million miles away from me right now. And my missus said, hey, can you read us, read Jack a story about a unicorn? I was like, she was trying to throw me off a bit and try and call me out a little bit. So I immediately just went on ChatGPT, typed in, write a story about Jack riding his unicorn. And it wrote me a story. And as it was writing it, I wrote it out to her. And she was just like, how the fuck did you come up with that? And I was like, oh, I'm just magic. <laughs> but yeah that other than that um one of the locals has brought me oranges pretty big fucking orange hmm. uh, as well so that's what i'm going to be eating for the next week uh and other than that that's that's how i live now <laughs> uh so yeah this week what are we talking about guys uh has anything happened in the stock market this week by the way whose portfolio has gone where mine is basically where it started again because it nearly always is it went down quite a lot and then it went up a bit and then it's gone down again so now it's roughly mm. where it was last week yeah, basically flat, right? Uh, not for me, no. I'm up, uh, just looking now, 2.12% on the ISA, and I'm up 4.04 on the capital incinerators, so they're doing the opposite of their name. I'm actually flat on the capital incinerators, would you believe that? After some, you know, a lot of these stocks, looking at some of them, and we'll talk about some of them today, have had 90% drawdowns, top to bottom. Obviously not for me, I, I didn't buy them all at the, all at the top. Um, but to be flat on it this early on to you know, what could potentially be the new bull market, that's quite exciting, I think. Could be a millionaire this time next year if we get 2021 or whatever year it was back. <laughs> If I'm honest, everything is up on mine, and it's just Google that's dragged me down a little bit. Uh, Google's how much is Google down on the week? I think it's uh, quite a bit, isn't it? Oh no, it's, it's had a good rise. Um, yeah, it's uh, just uh, kind of one or two stocks which have done the damage, and the rest are all on the way up. I think. What do we mm. reckon? Bull market uh, rally or, or bear market rally, or uh, are we starting the bull market again? That's the question these days. Soft landing. That is a blah, tough. Blah, blah question i'm yeah. gonna go 60 40 this is a bear market rally mm. interesting that we've had a new term <clears throat> putting haven't we we've had uh, soft landing hard landing and now we've got no landing to go oh, on i don't like no where it just continue, everything just continues as 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 it, as it was before so that's an interesting little thing to throw into the works i think no landing in my head feels a little bit like a soft landing um yeah but, um we, we we shall see. Let's get on the show because we're yeah. 10 minutes in and we've got Sorry. so much to cover. Warren Buffett's bought some stocks. Uh, he's also sold some stocks. This So uh, this is a time of year where people start reporting their 13 Fs, which tells us what their holdings look like at the end of last calendar year. So 31st December 2022. There's a six-week delay on these usually. <clears throat> and... The Berkshire Hathaway portfolio now looks like it has less U.S. Bank Corp in it, less BMY Mellon in it, less Activision Blizzard, less McKesson, less Chevron, less Ally Financial, less Kroger, and significantly less Taiwan Semiconductor, and a bit more Louisiana Pacific, a bit more Apple, and a bit more Paramount Global. Um, the one that caught everyone's attention, I guess, was the less Taiwan Semiconductor thing. People trying to work out what happened in basically the last six months or so, which is when that stake started getting getting built out to, to cause somebody at Berkshire, probably Buffett, something to do with it on a, uh, an investment that size, to decide they don't want it anymore. Uh, I saw Financial Investing Jeremy, because I clicked on it by accident, pointing out that he thought Buffett had probably sold at the bottom and wasn't that a terrible idea. I suspect that had little to nothing to, to do with Buffett's actual thinking, but... Um, Taiwan Semi is a, a kind of interesting company. Sort of, we looked at this afterwards and thought that kind of makes a lot of sense as a Berkshire thing. It's a bit off-brand in that it's not America, 
but it's very much a kind of manufacturing picks and shovels type thing in a, an industry that's probably going to grow, uh, but apparently not all of a sudden. Anything jump out at either of you from this bunch of moves? The only thing that jumped out at me was the... Uh, well, what I said to you off-air was that it looked like he'd taken quite a lot of um, the Allegheny stocks from the merger and just gone away with you, except Apple. We'll we'll bump, <laughs> we'll bump that staking Apple up even more. I'm looking at it now, and it's nearly 42% from uh-huh. 38.9% in the last 13 so he's, he's inherited quite a lot of Apple shares. Notice that that Allegheny portfolio had... Um, some Google and I think Amazon in it as well and I think some Disney and they all seem to have been shipped off uh, as part of the sale and Activision as well uh, I think Buffett's trying to signal to us here that they've lost a little bit of uh, belief that this deal uh, is about to go through I think we're probably all uh, experiencing that at the moment because there's been quite a lot of I mean from multiple sources coming out to say that they, they're going to try and challenge this deal and, and break it, at least parts of it up um, I'm not sure if it fails completely. I think I said this last week. I think that this deal may end up going through with some of the major titles being span off to something else or being forcibly sold. But um, I don't know. I uh, I think this is pretty standard Buffett behaviour. I, I, to be honest with you, I never understood why he really bought TSMC. I, when he bought it, it seems to make a lot of sense. But now that he's sold it, I mean... I saw people saying, oh, this is very un- unusual Buffett behaviour. But I mean, every 13F we've... We, highlight something that he's had for you know a couple of months and sold uh, he did it with um big pharma um he did think he didn't hold verizon that long really did he steve you'll, you'll seem to remember there was a, a clamor to try and sort of guess why he bought verizon and when all the videos came out he'd sold it so um i don't think this is anything out of character from buffett i'm not even sure if it is buffett buying and selling these things um but yeah i didn't really spot anything in there that jumped out at me particularly paul have you even seen it What's he want? Um, what's he want with Paramount? One of his biggest additions right now to this portfolio. Uh, where is it? Sit? I'm trying to have a look where it sits on his list right now. Uh, quite high up on the list actually, compared to where I thought it was going to be. It's it's um, Paramount, not a huge stock in this whole war. It's not necessarily going to be the winner. Uh, it doesn't look anywhere near like it's going to be one of the top three. So what do you think the plan here, here is buying Paramount? Doesn't he have particularly big titles? Hasn't had anything really big since the 1980s by the looks of things. I think it did run Top Top Gun. I think it had yep. the rights to Top Gun this year. But um, what do you think? Where, where's Paramount fitting into the strategy? Uh, no, my I... only point was maybe he likes it because the slogan is a mountain of entertainment. Maybe he just <laughs> saw that slogan and thought, that's for me. It's not a bad, yeah, it's not a bad call. It's, it's well within the realms of possibility. Uh, I I personally think there's an acquisition here. I think he's seeing consolidation. He's seeing uh, relatively low PE. And I think he sees similar to what they did with Activision. I think he sees consolidation in this streaming market at, at the moment. There's going to be a lot of acquisitions and mergers, and there's going to be a lot of opportunity there for Paramount to get bought at a higher price than it is right now. Uh, where it goes, I don't know, but it's a good acquisition target, I think, for Apple and Amazon, who are really struggling for content at the moment in comparison to the others. One of those guys gets Paramount, consolid- uh, the stream market consolidates a little bit more paramount gets a nice hefty premium and there's something there he knows something or he's 
considering something there because there's no way Paramount becomes the number one streaming service here. I, I don't even see the growth factor on there. The other, the other companies, Netflix, obviously adding uh, Disney holding up very well during its earnings. And I don't know if you've met, seen, but uh, War, Warner Brothers has very, very quietly been growing over the past few weeks. It's actually 30% up on the year, which is pretty good feat for a company that's losing a hell of a lot of money and going through a ton of restructuring. Arguably a very questionable business, questionable business at the moment. Uh, but they're really looking to be the top three. And that's how I see it anyway. It would be strange for them to go out, companies to go out and, and acquire to try and keep up with Netflix, especially when Disney's pulling back. I, I can't see it being Disney. I think they're definitely off the table. But um, it, it would be strange that a lot of them are cutting back on content spending because they have to, because they don't have the money to compete with Netflix and they've, they've figured out that they have pretty much lost this. To then go out and acquire something as well, I think that's. Uh, I think you're more likely with your Apples and your uh, Amazons for that to happen than you are with any of the others, but it's just the crap that Paramount comes with, isn't it? You're going to get CBS and MTV and and all that kind of stuff, which you know, 20 years ago might have been really, really hot property, but right now I can't imagine there's too many people who are in a rush to own that kind of stuff. So uh, maybe maybe they'll buy it for the back catalogue. That's kind of what Amazon do, and maybe they'll 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 sell off the stuff that they don't want. One thing I was going to ask you guys just about: uh, Do you guys have Disney Plus? Yeah. No. You both do. No, you don't. Uh, that surprised me that Steve D has Disney Plus, but Steve W doesn't. Well, I live in a house where someone else has it, so we don't pay for it. Oh, right. But, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I think you when we kind when of move? get moved out, I think we probably won't, but I don't okay. know that for certain just yet. I think we're more likely you... to pay for Netflix. <clears throat> okay, what are you watching on uh, Disney Plus, Steve D? Nothing. I think it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very interesting that is, isn't it? Because of the Hulu deal coming up, I'm, I'm still trying to figure myself out. I've actually uh, lowered my position in Disney, uh, sold probably a quarter of it at 116, which was a good call in the end. But and we're not trying to tra- trade it. I'm just trying to lower my allocation to it because I'm starting to think it's it's not got the content. Uh, I'm that I'm genuinely starting to think that. Uh, I might be completely wrong, but Disney is, I've, I've only got it for my kids, but I've only got it for the Hulu side. I'm not really watching it. The Disney side is not being, not being watched. It's the Hulu side that I'm watching. And if they, they've got a choice here, they can either sell it or they can buy the rest of it. And nobody really knows which way they're going to go. Well, I said to Steve on a, on a show, uh, I think it might be in the show that we spoke about Disney. I think there's plenty of room for them to just go and be, kind of what hbo max is which is a really high quality irregular content provider i think get netflix for your scattergun stuff get disney for your you know when whenever something lands on disney you know it's going to be pretty good they tried to compete with netflix and become scattergun i think under Iger, who we all know here is you know balance sheet last content first Mm -hmm. kind of guy Mm -hmm. the likelihood is that the content should increase in quality and if that increases in quality then Disney will all right being second fiddle to to Netflix in that regard. I, I think should, I should say, and you probably don't know because you don't have you don't look into the HBO side of things. But HBO and Discovery have decided not to merge now, so they might not be merging HBO and Discovery anymore. And they go that tells me at some point they're going to try and take certain bits of HBO and certain bits of Discovery and spin them off. I think they're going to try and sell some bits of the weaker parts of Discovery and HBO to gain to get some money and get that some of that debt off. 
so this this is all up in the air at the minute. I can't really tell. But we weren't talking about the streaming wars. It's, it's very easy to get off topic when you talk about these things. But yeah, Paramount was my only real interest here. TSMC, I don't understand. I didn't. I personally didn't understand Buffett buying TSMC. It didn't seem like it was in his wheelhouse to buy that, and I wasn't sure what the buy was all about. It also looked pretty expensive at the time that he bought it as well, which confused me. So I don't know why they were in there and this is a regular buffet recently this has been buffet for the past a uh, couple of years now the past three or so years ever since the delta airlines and the bank of america sales you know he's turned into more of a trader than a long-term holder recently is this a new thing for buffet or you know because that's what I, that's what i've seen ever seen people talk about him being this amazing guy who's held apple and held coca-cola for years and years and years but then really in my investing lifetime at least he's just been a bit of a trader buying and generally selling at the bottom yeah the selling stuff was the bit that sort of stuck out to me a bit more as well in the uh, the stuff that's on the being sold partly taiwan semi because it's recent but also the stuff that's i associate as being in there as long as i can remember so stuff like us bank or bmy melon and to an extent, Chevron, which was a kind of that felt like one they just kept buying and buying and buying, and it was about fourth in the portfolio. And in the portfolio of that size, yes, it's very Apple heavy, but but four is quite big uh, in terms mm. of owning quite a lot of stuff there. That's difficult to move off from. Um, so yeah, I was surprised by the selling stuff. It's three now. Sorry, okay. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and there's going to be a massive buyback coming, so it's going to go pressuring Bank of America, maybe. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah, what kind of more caught my eye. The other stuff there, I don't have a strong view on. I'm not sure about McKesson, whether that was a Buffett thing or not. It doesn't feel like a Buffett stock to me, that one. It feels to me like a Ted one. But, uh, the, yeah, they were the things I thought were interesting. Sort of surprised to see Buffett going away from the banks, and I kind of thinking the other way in my own mind a little bit but that's not because of anything particularly timely more just i've been looking at them a bit lately insignificantly small amazon shares at the bottom there so you've got chevron at uh, mm -hmm. 29 billion bank of america <clears throat> at 33 billion obviously apple number one by miles but then just an, a nice little 895 million there at the bottom for Amazon. What's he doing with that? Why? Why? Be nice to have. Be nice to have an 895 million position at the bottom of your portfolio, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, that'd be nice. Crazy, I, that's it? not a Buffett buy. I don't. Buffett's never bought anything off Amazon. Never. I don't believe it. I don't think it, Buffett's <laughs> never. Buffett doesn't even have his credit card on his on his Apple <laughs> iPhone. I bet it's not. I bet it's not even on his Apple Pay. I would also bet he doesn't. Uh, he did say someone else was. He, th he said one of the two in the office. He never says which one, but it feels Todd like uh, this one to me. Bought Amazon uh, a little while ago. Uh, now it's always good fun looking at these things, but I guess we should probably drag ourselves back to things that we're not just wildly speculating on. Uh, let's talk about Twilio instead, Steve. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've got um, Twilio's earnings, but really, I don't really want to talk about them too much because. Uh, All right, it, fine. It, let's talk about everything. <laughs> It's all about kind of the news that came out. Well, it actually came out the day before, but in, when you add the two together, it's quite an interesting little story. But I'll um, I'll just quickly run you through the day before earnings. So Twilio announced that they were uh, laying off another 17% of their staff. So five months ago, they laid off 11. Now they're laying off another 17. And when that happens the day before earnings, you usually think, oh, we're in a bit of trouble here. Uh, this, is, this is not going to be uh, very good. But I'll just give you a quick overview. So Twilio uh, is it's about 4 billion uh, revenue run rate at the moment, zero profit. Uh, it's long touted that it could make some profit. Um, 
but it, it, its major issues are really it's sort of incredibly egregiously issuing its own stock to pay its staff uh, and reinvesting into itself, making tons of acquisitions. And that's worked until now. Um, but it's been really, really badly punished in the markets over the last sort of 18 months. It's uh, it's down 82% from near $500 to about $75 at the time of recording, but it went as low as $45. So uh, a really, really big fall. Um so it's a comms company, essentially. Uh, it's got a few bits bolted on to challenge sort of branches of Salesforce and, and the CRM market. Um, it's still growing at 35% year on year, according to uh, its its last statement. Uh, and now it is actually promising to pivot to profitability. So as I said, it's laying off 17% of its staff and it's announced a $1 billion buyback uh, to try and sort of counter some of that dilution. Uh so Chief Executive Jeff Lawson, uh, he wrote in his letter to employees, at that time, we sought to streamline the company as it was then structured. Today's news, however, is more driven by the need to organise ourselves differently for success and the changes are needed to enact this new structure. Uh, the company also said it would be permanently closing a number of office locations. There's impairment losses of around 10 to 25 million coming. Uh, there's already been an impairment loss of 100 million in the third quarter, which was... Uh, more office causes closures so uh they reckon that they can model 20 percent up margins um in the near future so if we factor that in today they're trading at about 17.5 times earnings and remember we are in full imagination mode here uh and this obviously gets cheaper if they manage to grow the top line uh, with a 20 percent up margin um they're actually only guiding for 15 percent revenue growth but at the moment i think in this scenario in this in this macro environment i think we're okay with that um so what i really wanted to talk to you guys is about sort of thinking about how quickly airbnb did this and how effective it was is this beyond the reach of twilio and the wider sort of tech environment do i don't think it is uh and if all tech companies do this this will make life much easier for us because you know rather than having to guess margins we're gonna we're gonna actually see margins but do you guys have any thoughts on on the Twilio idea here uh, and, and the wider pivot that we're seeing in tech to sort of prove that they're viable companies. I feel like there's kind of sneak profitability going on here, right? So you said 4 billion run rate revenue, market cap is 13. Did you say a billion in buybacks? Yeah, a billion mm -hmm. in buybacks. I mean, buybacks. that's got to be coming that's from somewhere, me. right? You can't just take yeah. that out of loss. Or you can't just take out a billion in debt with a market cap of um, whatever, 14 times that or something and and then hope to kind of do that. So that sort of indicates to me that, yeah, pivot to profitability is is not so hard to do. The issue with unprofitable tech that I've always had is you need to be able to see your way to profitability because sometimes you look and you see a, a pattern going of, okay, losses followed by smaller losses followed by smaller losses, and then we cross over into profitability, and you can see that line kind of arcing upwards. But it doesn't always go that way. I mean, some of the time it goes losses, bigger losses, bigger losses, bigger losses, uh, as we kind of achieve scale, and then it kind of snaps over into profitability like that and you kind of it's hard to work out how that path looks i think this is probably highly variable from company to company so it, i'm okay with the idea that twilio can do it i'm not sure i take any wider lessons from that about um uh what tech sector can do more broadly and i say that as a shareholder of guidewire who have been doing loads of buybacks with their unprofitable operations as well interesting because <clears throat> Very interesting on the bigger side of the tech, the problems that we're getting pushing the stock prices down is 
is lower margins, right? That's going to be the story for 2023 is can these big companies keep their margins high? Google example, uh, for the past 20 years, their operating margin has been 20% bob on every single year. But in these past three years, that margin has been shrinking. That's off the top of my head. I think it's down to about 16 now. Sorry if I got that wrong. I, that is, I'm doing that off the top of my head. But I did see uh, a margin chart, a, a chart the other day of Google's margin, and it does look like it's slipping. Similar story with the other big techs. Similar story is going to come with Facebook and things like that. That's what they're worried about. There could be a, this could be a CapEx thing, loads of stuff like that. But what is happening in the smaller cap tech seems to be these margin expansions, which, like you're saying, um, you you got to figure out that's where where it's coming from. The other thing with the, the stock buybacks uh, I'm interested in because uh, is, is Airbnb doing a, doing a stock buyback as well? They've been doing them for a while. Yeah, they did a buyback, yeah. a 1.5 billion buyback last year, and they're they're authorizing more at the moment. So, um, I think I talked Tim Tim Byers fully caffeinated, yep. ready to go. Uh, he was he was talking about that uh, today. He was quite he, critical he, of that. I think, yeah, last he's critical. Year. Yeah, he wanted a bolt on acquisition. I think Airbnb's oh, big problem is Airbnb doesn't want to buy anything. It's a bit like Adyen. It kind of likes to build everything because it has Once, the the, going, the Airbnb yeah. sort of spin on it. I don't really think Airbnb has anything major that it needs to go out and get at the moment, which leads to the question of when you're generating as much money as Airbnb currently are, well, what do you do with your cash? I mean, we'd be sort of remiss to say buybacks are well-valued at the moment, but they yeah. can't just have they can't just have 500, 500 billion on the, on, on the balance sheet, can they? Yeah, I'm coming back to you on that one because um, I will come back to you on that because I always have to bring Booking.com uh, who have their earnings on 23rd. I'm, I'm looking closely at that one because i'm a fan of booking.com over airbnb right now and they've they've done me really well the share buybacks thing i've been looking i'm just looking at twilio's shares outstanding going up quite considerably every single year is this a thing salesforce got really there's a lot of friction over salesforce's Uh, outstanding but uh, outstanding shares and stock-based comp- compensation which no one is classing as a cost right now versus their buyback so they because salesforce has got all this flat for its stock-based compensation i wonder if these smaller companies are trying to hide their stock-based compensation with these buybacks i i i think it's going both ways i think i can see both sides of this thing uh Either way, you know, really good time to buy buybacks if you've got the if you've got the cash because a lot of these uh, companies are still, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 percent down. Um, so really good time to buy for most of these companies, probably. But also a lot of stock based compensation going out there. And I wonder if it's going to co- it's trying to cover up a narrative. That was kind of well, what I was thinking there. Twilio's um, stock-based compensation is mostly because they use their stock to make acquisitions. Um, There is a lot of stock-based compensation as well, and they actually released a chart which kind of explained it to you. So they said, look, when we make an acquisition, we obviously have acquired not just the idea, but the talent that comes with that idea. So for the first four years, they give quite egregious stock-based compensation to these people to encourage them to stay and deliver on the idea that they create. In the fifth year, though, stock-based compensation really, really tails off. So what Twilio are trying to say is we're going to pivot to profitability. We're going to offer a billion pound in buybacks to just negate that dilution. Mm -hmm. But 
as a lot of these companies were bought in the past, some of them are getting to the five-year period now, and, and the others are obviously getting closer as these ones approach. So they, they think you're eventually going to see a flattening or a tail-off in, in, in stock-based companies. I mean, let's not, like, say Airbnb are, are buying back stock. They're issuing stock at the same kind of rate. They've bought back a billion and a half of uh, Airbnb stock, but the actual share count is fairly level. So uh, all they're doing is negating the dilution by stock-based compensation. And if all tech companies get to that kind of level, I think that's a really positive thing. But then yeah. you could just pay your staff. <laughs> this, this is true. I mean, the, the problem is in big tech right now is that they are being paid. They are being paid a lot, but they're also getting the SBC as well. So uh, the time of re that really good time of massages and jacuzzis and stuff in the tech world are, are gone. However, I will, you know, defend Airbnb on this one. Airbnb have not done that. They were very smart during the whole thing they did their uh they did their laughs very early and they only let go of like a thousand people or something so they like that didn't they it wasn't but, wasn't a lot at all remember in covid airbnb had negative revenue so i yeah. mean if you can just think about that as a, even as a concept that's kind of crazy that is just like you know opening the windows and throwing money out of it um and running your business like that um but the pivot to profitability from Airbnb is absolutely crazy. I mean, we're talking about sort of Q220, their, their EBIT margins were minus 20%. And today, in the, as of the last report, they're plus 23%. So it's like yeah. a 48% swing to in percentage points to profitability. What in, did they, what's what that, did one, they two, three, four, five, on? six, eight quarters? Yeah, what did they turn on? What happened? Is it, well, what, is it COVID or is it? No, it's efficiency, isn't it? I think it yeah. does. It, it takes a business being on the on the brink of uh, bankruptcy to realise, perhaps, you know, <laughs> maybe if we add a few billion in the bank account and COVID happens again, we we'll we'll be all right. But Chesky has done a remarkable job at running an efficient business. That don't forget, this business, while it's been doing this, has still been growing up forty odd percent. It yeah. grew up forty percent last year, and it, its revenues nearly in the tens of billions, which is. They're, they're crazy numbers, you know, t 10 mm. to 14 billion is a massive upswing in business yeah. um, while you're doing it and maintaining profitability. You know, this isn't scattergun, you know, going out and selling two pound for one pound just to, you know, have a lot of revenue. This is this is doing it with, you know, every pound that you spend 25p of it's going on to the bottom line. That's that's good growth. Yeah, uh, I think and, it, I think it definitely is. I, 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 I always bring it up. I do worry about the moat. I see the moat as simply their brand and that's that and i don't i don't particularly class that just me personally i don't particularly class that as a particularly strong moat out of the four or five moats that there are out there airbnb stock up uh let's have a look 68 percent year uh year to date and booking.com is up 24 percent that uh, booking.com releases its earnings on february 23rd it's the one i'm i'm watching i want to see how these two compare so but I think what booking... does what mode does booking.com have it doesn't the point is it's behind and when you're behind uh the the one ahead uh, is the only one left to go what i don't think is happening right now is that the uh the space in the uh, renting out your home space is is being eaten up. I don't think there's much competition in that area. I think it's Booking.com and Airbnb at the moment, and that other one is Verbo, which is like the the higher class one. I don't know what that is. What I do think is being eaten to eaten into, and where the market share is feeding into these companies right now is 
hotels yeah you're right um it's uh so i think hotels are probably struggling quite a bit i might think we might see uh, a problem here there is this idea of um everyone currently coming back and going on holiday i don't think that period's over yet i think i personally think that that's still happening i know a few people out there are saying that the whole uh, everyone's back to normal now and everyone's done all the traveling that they were going to do they've all had this they've just spurted out everywhere all over the world and gone on their travels i don't think that's over i think people are still affected by covid and people are still going out and doing their traveling so i i wouldn't be surprised if there's there's still there's still money being brought forward here i i wouldn't be surprised at that why i'm not going anywhere near any of it yet okay um well i don't want to do airbnb yet because i just did one but we were speaking of things <laughs> being eaten up steve you wanted to speak about craft times uh, yeah i wouldn't nice. eat their stuff particularly but no um uh craft times reported earnings this week they are a bit less dynamic than uh, twilio or indeed airbnb for that matter but they had some interesting stuff in there i think so revenue came in at 7.38 billion which is 10 percent higher uh compared to this quarter last year which is we were talking about png uh the other week steve and we were saying that look we're expecting kind of inflation matching growth i'm not exactly sure what inflation is in the states at the moment but it's not 10 percent uh, and it's it barely that in this country they break their revenue into north america and everywhere else uh north america was up nine percent everywhere else was up 13 uh, and since most of their stuff comes through north america predictably enough that comes to uh, 10%. Earnings per share was 72 cents versus they were strictly loss-making last year following some write-downs and that kind of thing. Uh, they offer you an adjusted EPS to try and make them comparable a little bit, uh, so they take out the non-cash charges effectively. And that was about 8% higher on 10% higher uh, revenues. So they're guiding for $2.67, $2.75 per share in EPS this week. That puts it at a price-earnings ratio of around 15, so it's not terribly... Uh, expensive at least, probably not compared to some of the other things that we've seen in this kind of defensive sector that looks like it's in fashion uh, a bit at the moment. But given inflationary pressure, I thought that wasn't bad. They had a 15% price hike and then 5% loss of volume, getting you to sort of 10% growth in revenues. And that, I thought that was okay for a company that Morningstar says doesn't have a moat either. They're currently attempting to find savings to increase efficiency, and this is a thing that has been a historic problem for Kraft Heinz. They got into deep trouble around the sort of 2019 mark by fairly ruthlessly swinging the axe at anything that wasn't um, immediately considered essential and ruining their brands as a result. And everything went through the floor. That's why that stock did terrible, and everyone thinks it's Buffett's worst investment. It's not his worst investment. might be the worst one he still has. Uh, the stock's done very badly, but... I think there's decent opportunity here. So they're now kind of more carefully looking at reinvesting and trying to maintain their margins and rather than trying to grow them at all costs. And their total debt, which is the thing that I always watch on this company because I have this idea that they are quietly bringing down their debt and they're going to eventually flip their way back to either a bigger dividend or perhaps more likely some buybacks along the way. Everything's been steady on that front for uh, since about 2019 now. Total debt's come down by another eight percent since the end of twenty, uh, since the end of the previous quarter, I think. So they continue to chip away there, and that to me is encouraging. I thought this was a sneaky good report that's likely to go under the radar a little bit of a sort of defensive company doing what defensive companies are meant to do. Market didn't care the day after it behaved sort of broadly in line with what the rest of the market did. I think it was down slightly, but so was everything else. So uh, and nothing outsized there, which 
Yeah, that kind of caught my eye as one that was doing different things to what we said about P&G, Steve. Interesting that it's growing uh, uh, above inflation because the, these companies are really designed not to. They're meant to just kind of trace it. But, um, yeah, interesting. I, I did help them out. I, I bought a little jar of salad cream over the weekend. It's been a very long time since I've had salad cream. And uh, it's about £3.50 now, and it's very small. So I definitely felt the effects of uh, inflation uh, being pushed onto That'll the That'll be the 13% that. everywhere else thing. They did mention strong yeah. growth in the UK, actually, I think. Yeah, but perhaps I paid off that 8% of debt with the, my little bowl of salad cream. But is this mm. one you own, Steve? I always forget if you own this one or not. I do. I attempted to get Paul to own it a while ago uh, without much success, but I do own it, yes. It's about 7% higher than it was where I bought it, which feels like a lot for that company, and I still think it's probably decently valued, and if I didn't already own it and have a nice green number at the bottom of my screen next to a load of other red numbers, I'd probably still be buying it here. It's one of those tough stocks for me because I think it's one of the stocks that if I owned it and it got to about sort of ten or twelve percent in a short period of time, I think I'd be it'd be on the chopping block. But yeah, uh, I've thought about I, it. Yeah, I guess I don't I don't have a lot of faith in these sort of companies to return, uh, you know, make amazing returns every year. But it seems to be doing seems to be doing all right for you, uh, Paul Kraft Hines. It pays a dividend. Why don't you own it? I don't think it's a bad or, or good uh, defense. Is really important to have in your portfolio. I'm just not great at the at the food here. I think I said. If I was going to do a very basic dividend dividend portfolio, dividend portfolio, I would probably go with Montelez or Kraft Heinz, just because they're the two Cabri owners. Uh, that's, that's basically it, really. What drove the ten percent? Then did they did they mention what was driving the extra? Yeah, the price extra? hikes basically, uh, hiking prices price by about fifteen percent, and that dropped off with five percent less in volume, but. On balance, that comes out as as ahead, effectively. And there's always a game yeah. with this of trying to figure out exactly what the market will bear in terms of price hikes. Uh, and it looks like they slightly overdid it in terms of, well, maybe. All right? I mean, who knows? If you hike by 12, maybe you still lose 5%. Maybe that 5% well, you were, was never coming back anyway. You'd take that every day of the week, wouldn't you? If you I think so. sell 5% less but at 15% more, that seems, uh, that seems like a yeah, win-win incredible. in almost every scenario. Yeah, operating margins are around 20% at Kraft Heinz, by the way. I thought that was sort of reasonable enough. Um, okay. Should we talk Airbnb? Yeah, let's do it. I've got the quarter, and it was actually full year for Airbnb, so uh, I thought this was an excellent quarter. I'd be interested in hearing uh, what you guys think about the quarter rather than, I suppose, the business as a whole, but... Uh, here's a quick rundown on the quarter then. So uh, Nights and Experiences was up 20%. Active Listings was up 16%. Revenue was up 24%. Uh, adjusted EBITDA was up 52%. Margin, uh, EBITDA margin of about 27%. Uh, free cash flow was uh, up 49%. That's $455 million in free cash flow, 41% margin. Uh, it's also a full year for Airbnb, so here's a quick rundown of some of that. Uh, revenue was up to 8.4 billion. That's up 40%. Net income 1.9 billion. So that's nearly a 23% margin. Uh, 3.4 billion in three cash flow generated. That's up 49% year on year. Gross bookings now at 63.2 billion, up 35%. And the share count obviously went a little bit down as we discussed earlier. So, uh, running the maths on this when I wrote this little piece, uh, Airbnb I thought would have a P of about 38 but i've noticed it was up 10 percent after that or 12 percent i think and then up another six so uh they're probably quite comfortably in the 40s by now um 
But we did talk about this a lot earlier. Uh, I think we were in the maybe even the 70s or the 80s when we said that this was beginning to look quite tasty on a free cash flow basis if it managed it for the year. And I think it actually surpassed what we were guessing at as well. So, um, so I, yeah, I've got a bit of an admission for you guys. I actually flunked out of Airbnb at $118 no. earlier last year. But I bought back in uh, at okay. $86. So I am now up 60-something wow. percent. Nice. Uh, I had a That's concern the bottom, about... right? That's the bottom. Yeah, I've, I can show... I'll put the chart on screen for everybody. I have tagged the bottom you of Airbnb. The They're bottom. very bottom. Yeah. Um, so look, wow. I had concerns about their fees and their transparency. And about five days after I saw Chesky came out and said, I've got to make sure they're all in the listing so you guys fully understand what you're paying for. And you don't say, hey, that's 60 quid for a room. And then by the time it comes to booking, it's 5 million. He said, no, I'm going to make sure they're all in the listing. Good. So Good. straight away, I was like, ah, oh, crap. That was my big problem with them. Yeah. That was like, that yeah. was what really kind of flunked me out. But uh, yeah, I think risk reward really reset for me at 88. I thought I felt like it was a it was yeah. a it was a big win. So, uh, cool. either of you guys interested in it? Is it just is it just too high at the moment, or or could it grow into a good valuation? What do you think? A little bit high. You asked about the quarter specifically at the start and what we sort of thought about that before the the business as a whole. I think wherever you look, this has to be an encouraging quarter. It's difficult to kind of completely isolate it from the business. But if we just think in basic terms for the moment, then growth stock. So we're looking for this to grow somehow. And that can either come through higher revenues or higher margins or a lower share count or a push dividend or something like that, basically. It's got pretty much all of those uh, going on from what I can see of it, and that should be leading to pretty substantial growth coming through all over the place. And then the next thing I guess I would look for is what kind of a moat does this thing have? I think the answer I would come up with in my head is a network effect, by which I mean more people look on it because more people list on it and more people list on it because more people look on it. You said active listings were up, I think you said 16% along the way. Uh, the numbers came quite fast, but I think I picked up 16% there. So seeing that moving up and higher is, is encouraging. It sounds pretty encouraging just as a quarter for the moment. Get back to valuation in a little bit, but in terms of the quarter by itself, there's nothing to not like there, is there? I didn't get anything from this report that I didn't think, well, that's 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 really good. The, the one sort of, if we can call it the semi-negative, I guess, that I'm picking out of it is that uh, EBITDA expansion that the sorry the EBIT margin expansion is definitely slowing so like I said earlier we were at negative 25 about eight quarters ago uh, the quarter before we were at plus 22 we only managed to get to plus 23 now whether you think that's potentially something to do with the environment it, it could well be but it also could be that Airbnb has already got to sort of like you know peak peak efficiency mm. in terms of its profitability and margin expansion from this point onwards would be pretty pretty difficult unless they start pissing people off by increasing the take rate but when you're well, looking at is... these figures well but when you're looking at these figures there's literally no point to do that is there i, I don't see why you would do it I, I unless gonna, you get greedy i was gonna try I, and i must i've got to disclaim this first of all uh there's there's nothing wrong here is there it's, it's really really good for airbnb but i'm gonna try and try and play devil's advocate here um good you ma ma managed to mention take rate because that's the important part i think uh bookings have gone up by like 19 percent, i think it was something like that or was it 24 percent? 24 percent. but um a lot of their revenue growth isn't necessarily down to the fact that they they got more bookings in it's the fact that they have taken more over this year they've certainly upped their up their prices now you can argue is that because bookings are slowing down well no because we exited covid and 
everyone started flooding into holidays so bookings are up that's brilliant i would still i've covered it earlier i still think there's a little bit of pull forward there which might slow the growth in the next coming years but it's it's not going to slow down to below double digits i just can't see that happening at all take rate though was quite high it went uh, they they did take a lot more money out of each of these, but that on the other hand shows pricing power as well. Uh, you you were talking there about uh, networking effects and uh, people staying on, more people uh, hiring out their house, more people buying. I don't think though, I still don't think that this uh, the Airbnb is a youtube versus twitch situation and by that i mean i don't think that lots of people are going to stay on youtube because youtube pay more and not uh, deal with twitch and twitch is going to struggle i think this is uh, unfortunately a non-loyalty product as far as the uh the uh homeowners and the renters are are, uh, are concerned because what they can do is they can go to anywhere and any smart renter will go to any platform and dish out on any platform it's just how do airbnb keep people coming back to airbnb and that's the important part we've seen really really good stuff with airbnb trying to bring it in by delivering multiple products they've had that really cool little little bar at the top of their website now where you can find cool homes and your different types of homes unique homes so they, they are coming up with ways i just call me lack of you know i'm not creative enough to think of new ways to bring people in certainly not i'll get chat gpt to, to figure it out for me maybe but how what what do airbnb do for from here to become more than just a home search engine like all the others is it going to be a winner take all well it maybe maybe not but i think at the moment we're kind of proving that it doesn't really matter does it Mm. Uh, they they, they don't need to have the whole market to make any money which is one of the things you sometimes worry about with some of these tech stocks where you think yeah they're saying we've got a tam of 100 billion you're like yeah but you're at 20 and you haven't made a penny yet so yeah but it's definitely not like that with airbnb one of the things that they do and we've talked about it quite a lot of times is that they do that special airbnb home insurers policy Mm -hmm. which is a good way of keeping renters coming onto the platform uh exclusively on on airbnb if they think well you know if they go on verbo and we get some you know some frat kids down and they trash the place uh at least with airbnb you're covered for that kind of damage aren't you and, and airbnb are quite strict with their renters there's they don't allow uh they, they, well they block people from using it mm-hmm. uh, they, they blocked actually a couple of politically affiliated people from using it the other day which kind of got some pretty bad uh, i think it was one of the really far right wing lauren brobert kind of american politicians who i think her father got blocked because he blocked <laughs> he booked an airbnb for something along those lines anyway so they no are very very no yeah well, they're, they're very very careful about that so i think that's that's them trying to sort of like just massage the network for, for a little bit so if all the bookings and the bookings are growing look mm. yeah the definitely. bookings are up uh, um 35 percent year on year gross bookings and uh, the listings are up 16 percent. so this definitely shows that people are coming nights and experiences a nice little flywheel to run alongside the actual business we'll see how that goes um yeah I'm not i, really into I hope they don't bring much. up their take rate i don't bring that i hope that they don't bring up their take rate any further than they already have because they i i believe that essentially they've made this much money right now by yeah by squeezing the um 
why well, you're squeezing the customer at that point, aren't you? The customer's hard to define on Airbnb, isn't it? You, the renter, not the rentee, as it were. Uh, they've, so, mm. they've, so they've had to raise the prices on Airbnb to accommodate that and, and get that in. But we've proven that bookings are up, so people are still buying, people are still happy to pay that little bit more for Airbnb, including that insurance and all those things. Uh, and largely, the whole cleaning, you know, you, the apartments on airbnb is odd and and the the really weird thing is the boomers that keep saying i prefer hotels you know they you know they prefer to uh they, they say it's too stinky to go around someone's house and sleep in somebody's bed in in a house that they've done but they would prefer to sleep in a bed that 200 people have shagged in on a night out in in a hotel i just can't really get my head around it so that's a it, popular room <laughs> Book me in, <laughs> but it's you see what I mean. I, I, a lot of the a lot of the downsides of Airbnb can kind of be thrown away now. So all we've got is is upside on Airbnb, and I've tried to play devil's advocate there, but it's really really hard. Um, it's just about take rate. Uh, don't raise that take rate. Try and keep it where it is. Hope it's not uh, revenue that's been brought forward from this COVID revenge uh, tourism thing. And uh, let's let's hope it keeps going. But ten times sales <laughs> on Airbnb is um, is not too bad, Steve. I was yeah. just trying to work out evaluation there. Things got no debt. It's got about five billion in net cash. Some very quick maths that I was trying to do. If this thing gets to anywhere near a sort of thirty percent margin, and I'm not sure why it couldn't. That's a decent looking return. Who's doing who's doing price to sales in twenty twenty three? We don't look twenty We've got earnings now, Steve. Up. Come that on. Fucked us up in twenty twenty. Stop looking at price of sales. We need cash. We've so got I was cash. gonna say on the Twilio <laughs> thing, actually, since you mention it, um one of the things I've been kind of pleasantly surprised by by the kind of growth stock stuff is exactly how many of these companies can turn a profit if they put their minds to it. It was mm. a bit hard to tell in twenty twenty because no one made any money and it didn't really seem to matter. And it was quite hard from where I was sat anyway. Maybe other people were better at this than me at working out which companies were not making money because they were hammering it in growth mode. There were some obvious candidates, mm. but but which companies were hammering it in growth mode to keep up with everybody else and not fall behind because it was the right thing to do <laughs> and which companies were doing it because they had no damn choice because they couldn't make any money anyway. And I've been kind of pleasantly surprised, I think, not from stuff that I own, but just looking around the market in general, at the number of companies that actually when they really have to and when push is kind of coming to shove with rising interest rates, uh, these companies can make money when they sort of put their minds to it. Which you're telling is, me you're going to buy Palantir I, I would have now. bet that more of these would have been, no, I'm not, I don't know what Palantir <laughs> is. Uh, and there's been clearly some ones like Zomedica who didn't make money because they couldn't uh, and that sort of thing. But I've been more impressed Peloton. by some of these are pivoting towards uh, profitability. Yeah, I'm still not impressed by Peloton, but they've got mm. the right idea from yeah. what I can see of it. Uh, I, I imagine they're going to do very well, and I imagine Zillow is going to do very well, mostly because Ooh, no. we've got now about another 13 months, a bit more than that, about 15 months until David Gardner gets ahead of Steve and William finishes ahead. Open Door. Oh, Open Door is going to zero now as well, isn't it? It's, it's going to be horrible. Oh, it's just so many horrible things. But yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think you, you have a really good point there of um, turning a profit when it's needed. It's all about changing the narrative again, and it will come back to this stock-based compensation thing that I said earlier. When a lot of companies were getting a lot of flack for stock-based, because everybody all of a sudden learned that stock-based compensation should be on the balance sheet, and it's not. Uh, everyone magically learned that six months ago. Um, what 
once they learn that, the narrative changed. And now these companies, I feel, are fighting that narrative a bit. In the same way, we've gone to profit. We've gone to cash flow. You know, this is what we want in 2023. We want safer companies, companies that we know are going to grow because the party's over. And um, it's all about changing the narrative. And like you say, some of these companies are doing it. I wish I knew what Twilio did. I tried to. I just tried to read it there, and it's C A S P P P S. I've no idea what you know, that is. Do you know when you get a text from delivery drivers that says your package will be here between nine and th- nine and one? Yeah, mm. that's Twilio. It's, or when you get a message wrong. through that says. <laughs> But when you get when you get well, that's not Twilio's fault. That's the driver's fault. <laughs> right, right? Or when you get when you get a message that says uh, your code to access his website is seven six three eight three two or whatever. Yeah. That's Twilio. That's oh, what it. Thank you for that. I've been spending a year trying to figure that one out, and you've just done it in a second. <laughs> Steve, shall I go for a whistle stop tour through another tech stock that's actually pivoting to profitability? Yes, in the next three and a half minutes. <laughs> okay, here goes. Monday.com, we've talked about it loads. It's a basically uh, a competitor to Salesforce, essentially. Um, they've just had their fourth quarter earnings, and they were very, very good. And the stock was up about 20% off the back of them. So I will fly through their fourth quarter and full year for you. So have you got your pen and paper handy, Steve? Uh, revenue was 150 million for the quarter. That's up 57% year on year. Gross profit came in at 133%. That's up 58% year on year. That's an 88% gross margin. Um, Sorry, came in at uh, what? Gross profit came in at how much? Uh, 133 million. Million. Thank you. Got it. Yep. Uh, 58%. Did I say billion? No, you said percent, I think, which is why I was confused. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 133 million plus 58 percent, a margin Got of 88 percent. Okay, 8%. so they do non-gap EBIT. Try and work that one out. Uh, 14 million. Okay. That's actually a 10 percent margin. That's up 1,992 basis points. Uh, non-gap net income, <laughs> 22 million. That's a 15 percent margin. But operating cash flow was 34 million, up 152 percent. That's a 23 percent margin. Free cash flow, 30 million, 193 percent growth in that. That's a margin of 20 percent. Here's a full year as well, just quickly. Uh, revenue was up to 519 million. Getting big pretty quick. This one, uh, growing at 68 percent. Um, full year to full year. Gross profit came in at 453 million. That's up 68%. That's an 87% margin. That's actually a little drop year on year. Um, non-gap EBIT uh, was minus 47 million. So it's a minus 9% margin. Non-gap net income minus 33, uh, minus 6% margin. But 27 million in operating cash flow, 8 million in free cash flow. Uh, just a couple of the business metrics for you. So paid customers up 23%. Paid customers spending more than uh, 50K was up 86%. Uh, net dollar retention rate was 120%, which is about flat. Uh, net dollar retention rate for people with over 10 users was down a little bit from uh, to 130 from 135%. Can't complain about those numbers. They're spectacular. Uh, net dollar retention rate for people who spend more than 50K was down from 150% to 135%, but this is a company that's looking quite attractive to me. Mm. Uh, It's still growing like an absolute weed, but we're starting to see those operating cash flow and free cash flow coming through. A little bit of control on stock-based comp and that net income will, I mean, what was it, negative 33 million on the quarter, uh, sorry, on the year. That's not a lot. That's not a lot at all. This company went live with a really uh, big valuation, raised a hell of a lot of money, and it looks pretty good to me. 
Um, yeah, and today, just today, and glad we brought on Monday.com, just today, three companies that I work with have used either invoicing systems or compliance systems all revolved around Monday.com. I hate it, but I think that's a HR error more than, more than a Monday.com error. But um, yeah, more and more companies I'm seeing using Monday rather than any other uh, form. So yeah, I, you know, anecdotally, I always have to see the anecdotal part of it. I don't know if it's in your life at all, is in your work. No, but you could see it coming soon. Um, downside for me, what, what did you say? Net, mar- net margin was 10%. Uh, net, the, well, it, that was net EBIT. Oh, net EBIT. Yeah, so it was non-gap, non-gap okay. net EBIT was only 10%. But this is a company that's still on its way to, you know, yeah. it's on the 10 to full profitability. Obviously, if this can get, yeah, if this can, if this can com, uh, convert some 88% gross profit into a 20% EBIT or even a 30% EBIT, yeah. uh, you're looking I pretty, pretty tasty. Yeah, I heard, I heard you say it was like operating margin was like 88%, but then net, net margin was at 10%. I was trying to figure out where where uh, 70% of the, <laughs> their money went there. But um, it, yeah, it, it's, it, I imagine growing company, networking out, all that sort of stuff is happening. There's growth there. You, you just got to be smart and understand where they're spending the money. And obviously we all watched Salesforce, didn't we? We all, we all saw where they went. So Monday's got to be coming up their ass right now. Literally, <laughs> not literally, figuratively. <laughs> It's the tall guy, Benioff. You need a pair of ladders. Yeah, not. Mm. But but the the thing with the thing with Salesforce right now that you know Benioff's being called an idiot for growing too quickly, taking on too many people because they've uh, they're, they're letting go of how many people? I want to say ten thousand people. Salesforce they're letting go of. It's a lot right of people. Yeah. It is a lot, but they've taken on a lot more. I think I talked to you about this like three or four weeks ago when we said they. I think they. Their net twenty three thousand hiring over the past three years. So, you know, yeah, fair enough. Mark Benioff looks like he's he's had a he's taken a beating recently, but he's he's not an idiot, is he? He's still going to keep this thing. He's still, he's still no, I mean, the Salesforce are in a re- well, Salesforce and Benioff are in a really uh, really bad negative news cycle at the mm. moment. There's not a positive story about Salesforce. It's not a positive story about Benioff, and the, the share price has fallen. Um, you know, following with that, but that just sort of smells like opportunity. It does, right? That's this the whole. Yeah. No, it was a long way around, but that was where I was trying to get you to. Is like, which one's mm. got more opportunity now? Is it Monday or Salesforce? What do we think? Mm. Both. <laughs> you, you like this? The, I just want to see a software as a service company have a margin greater than ten percent. I know you said it's EBIT margin, but I, I need to listen back to that again. But I would like to see a software as a service company having a greater margin of ten percent. I just don't understand it yet. <laughs> Steve, anything else before we sign off? I think if I was looking at Monday.com here, I would be looking at stickiness as best I can. I, I think the the question is how they're going to kind of fend off a, a bigger competitor like Salesforce. And it sounds like they kind of market themselves as the CRM that your that your uh, workers will actually enjoy using or mm-hmm. want to use or something like that. Very and good. it sounds sort of reasonably positive in that regard. I think my employer, by the way, will be the last institution on earth to use any kind of CRM. <laughs> Uh, thing and they, it won't matter to be honest it will not matter the blindest bit for their kind of competitive position or anything like that uh, i'm gonna tell you that now be kind of where i'm looking the here, company i'm working for will be the last one we're still using paper <laughs> i'm telling you now where i'm working right now we're still using paper and we're keeping it all in boxes <laughs> just thousands of boxes sorry carry on <laughs> 
Uh, no, that was all I had. I think that's what I'd be looking at there. The numbers all look pretty encouraging. Yeah. Um, adjusted EBIT margin is presumably taking out something like one-time costs or yeah, uh, some so. non-cash things or something like that. Uh, but that's interesting. It's usually good for comparison, seeing how that's going. You lost me slightly because I had to try and count back 1,099 basis points, and then I had to <laughs> spend three seconds doing that while you then ran through a load more numbers. Three seconds. Uh, I still haven't worked that uh, out. Great. Then that's our show. Thank you very much for listening. We've been Paul, we've been Steve, and we've been Steve. And it's been a fun week in the markets. But we'll be back again next week when we'll be having even more fun thinking about even more probably sets of earnings and whatever else has been going on. We'll see you then. <laughs>